Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. I feel like one of the main callings of this church is to represent who God is, you know, changing the way people see God. Because most people deep down, most Christians deep down believe that God is somehow involved in taking your spouse away from you or, you know, causing a coworker that you don't like to show up at your job to tempt and test you or something like that, you know, it's like, or, or, or the, even the darker things, right? That God is allowing this and he's not, and as if he's playing puppet master. And there's whole deep theologies and we refer to a lot of this stuff all the time. And, and you know, God, God is king. He is Lord of all creation, right? He is the sovereign Lord. But the issue is how is he expressing his sovereignty? And, and it's interesting, a lot of the guys that really fight for sovereignty in, in terms of God's controlling everything in this planet the scriptures, and I did this one time with a guy who actually took the time to sit down with me. The passages that they use to uh, validate their perspective of God is in control of everything. It's interesting because it's like in Job where God will give this description of himself, but then you look at how he behaves, and it's a loving and kind thing. It's, it's almost as if he's, he, 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 he declares who he is, the judge, the Lord, the king, and, and this is who I am, and I created this, and I set this, and, and if you don't do this, go this way. Or, and, and so he, he, he uses descriptive, I wish I could think of one, but he uses descriptive, seemingly heavy-handed descriptions of himself. But then when you go and look at those passages that those guys use, and you look at the context of then the follow-up of his behavior after his self-description that seems heavy-handed, there's a very loving and kind act that he does toward the people. So it's, it's, it's like Romans 9, if you're familiar with Romans 9. You know, a lot of people use that for God is in control, and it's like, look, this is who I am. I, I, I am the potter, I, and I can do whatever I want to do. But the point of Romans 9 is, here's the point. God can do whatever he wants to do. This is an illustration using Pharaoh, and what God wants to do is save Gentiles. Go back and look at it, Romans 8, 9, 10, 11, through the rest of the book when you're talking about the grafting and the seed and the Israelites and all that. There's a description of God's power, and then the function, or in other words, how he behaves, is not, it's not contradictory, it's just that this is who I am, but then he behaves kindly and lovingly. Now, I'm not to, that's not to remove the judgment side of God, that certainly absolutely is there. It's just that now under the new covenant, we have to look at it properly that it's been taken care of in Christ for you. Amen? God's not playing around with your life. But, but, but a lot of people think he is. So, so to our point, you know, last week, I, I, I feel like we kind of swung a wrecking ball into some people's theology in terms of... Um, how the Holy Spirit works or how you minister to people. And, and I, you know, I don't mean that as a negative thing, but we're always constantly growing and learning. And, and, and one of the things that I want to do it, through this church is 
constantly frame everything that we believe about life and faith through the finished work of Christ, to constantly reframe every belief, every view that we have through who God presented himself to be in Christ and what Jesus did in his atoning death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf, and now who we are in light of that and the kind of relationship we have with God now in light of that, all right? So this whole new covenant. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about, I'll just throw this passage up there. I didn't really plan on doing a series, but it kind of, this will be really kind of the third one. The first one was um, good works versus dead works. Last week we got into the idea of um, spiritual dead works or flesh-driven spirit working. I'm, I'm kind of trying to figure out the, the, the word. Really, it's, it's like flesh-based efforts to bring about spiritual ends that really are already yours in Christ. Uh, so we've, we've been talking about this, this idea, Hebrews 4.10, for he who has entered his rest, God's rest, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. But yet then we know that we are uh, created unto good works, which God prepared as a way of life beforehand, right? Um, so, so there's this paradox Good works versus dead works. And then we looked at Hebrews 6. One of the very foundation, one of the pillars of faith is repentance. One of the foundations of faith is repentance from dead works. So in other words, all of that stuff that you think that you're doing that earns favor from God or that earns blessing from God, it's, it's a dead work. Anything that you feel like you have to do to be accepted by God or qualified for blessing is a dead work. In other words, the motive of your heart. And I think this is what a lot of Christianity misses is the understanding that we live out of our hearts. We live out of this recreated aspect of ourselves. You know, God gave us a new heart when we got saved. It's great to have the proper theology. It's great to know your authority. It's great to know lots of different things. But if you don't know how to cultivate relationship with the Lord in your heart, Plant the word of God in your heart and the fact that everything you want to see happen in your life comes out of your heart with, in, in regard to your relationship with the word of God inwardly, uh, then, then, then it's analytical, it's flesh-based, it's, you know, it, it's shifting sand, we're chasing one theology, then we're chasing the other, but to learn how to live out of your heart. Now, I'm not saying follow your heart, I'm saying follow God. Just make sure, but, but here's the thing, you follow God from the heart. Your heart affects everything that you do, absolutely everything that you do. So you want to make sure that your heart is tuned to the voice of God clearly and accurately. And that's what we, you know, this is, this is like what I constantly want to do is sow into you. I'm speaking to your spirit as you're sitting here, those of you that are born again, I'm speaking to your spirit. I'm speaking to who you are eternally. I'm speaking to the completed, finished you. I'm not speaking to the, 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 the temporary aspect of you that in this body might still make mistakes and fail and, and choose sin, because you do daily. You're going to. Uh, but I want you to walk out of here confident in who you are in Christ so that that affects your choices, not trying to live from as good as you can from your flesh toward some spiritual state. Are you with me? I mean, you know, we, we talk about it a lot, and, and I'm always going to talk about it. But this week, 
I, I, you know, last, so last week we talked about the idea of uh, a lot of people wake up to the understanding of the new covenant, the finished work in Christ, and the, get the get the doc the, the doctrine right, but then when it comes to the engaging of the spirit, there's still a lot of mixture. In other words, it's flesh oriented. Flesh, flesh seeks to. I got, I've, I've got some scriptures here. It's an interesting concept to try to explain because it's not expressly laid out in scripture. Like it's not a specific doctrinal point that you can point to, but it's it's something that I've observed with charismatics, and I, and I know all the Baptists in the room are like, I knew those charismatics were crazy. I'm not getting in this stuff. But it, you know, because, so, so this is a principle in, in sorting these things out, right? You get your theology right, but then in your understanding of how the Spirit works or how you are to minister in your spiritual gifts, we want to make sure we get the mixture out of that stuff too. So a lot of a lot of um, spiritual methods that we use for uh, inner healing, we'll put it on this one, inner healing, deliverance, forgiveness, or I've got a list here, you know, it puts you in this. You got to rebuke this curse, break this tie, repent from this sin, close this open door, do this prophetic act, lay down this burden, forgive this person, forgive myself. And you could probably continue to add to that list. How many of you have come out of a background like that? A lot of people, yeah. And, and, and some of you have, and you don't even know it. And so it looks like this. Praise God, I'm free in Christ. Bless God, I'm, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And that's the doctrine. Then you start to do life, and you realize, wait a minute, there's still some things that aren't working here. I still struggle with this sin issue. I still don't like my parents. I still recoil in this situation. I'm stuck here. Um, you know, I've got this sin habit. I don't know, this weird thing keeps happening over here. And, and so then a good charismatic wants to then flip over into dealing with that stuff uh, to create a system, to create some type of structure to reach a spiritual state or receive a blessing or exercise a gift, experience something from God that you already have in Christ. And, and, and it's flesh-based because it, it trusts in those acts to then get something from God. Now, it doesn't seem that way when you're doing it, but it is. And that's why the very simple adjust of completeness in Christ makes all the difference. It, it's a very uh, simple adjustment, but it, then it, it changes everything from there forward, does it not? It's not that rebuking a curse is wrong, although you do need to understand the new covenant aspect of curse. Under the new covenant, there is no curse. The cur Jesus was cursed on your behalf. So I don't care how many Masonic sacrificial things your great-grandfather did. That activity has no bearing on your spiritual life at all other than your lack of understanding and authority in who you are in Christ. Because here's the deal. There are spiritual things that happen. There are demons. There are spiritual dark forces. 
and they do tend to follow bloodlines, and they will try to come knocking on your door. However, there is no curse that enforces its authority to be there. So, so the remedy against it is not, let me figure out who I haven't forgiven, what sin have I not repented for, what soul tie did I create that I have not yet off my back, which, who, you know, do I hate myself? Do I not love? Are you with me? Because like you said last week, that cycle is never ending. But if you just go ahead and skip all that stuff and jump into the identity of, no, I, so I have been delivered. So, so anytime, all right, again, this is an observational thing that I'm trying to sort through and undo and help us understand. So it's not like I can point to this scripture and say, okay, there, see that one? That's it. But what you got to do is any time you are trying to experience in your life a promise or a blessing from God, you have to put on the identity of who you already are in Christ and affirm in his atonement what he did that already qualifies you for it and puts you in a place where you have already received it in spirit. Now, in the working out of your salvation, in other words, that healing, deliverance, wholeness, restoration, all that stuff, in the working out of and the experience of it, you do it from a place of completeness. You do it from a state of righteousness. You do it from a state of knowing and affirming, first and foremost, I am whole with God. My relationship is whole with God. There is no fracture. There is no darkness in my spirit. There is not one thing that I need to do flesh-based, flesh-oriented, to get to what it is that I know that is not in my life that Jesus died for. Are you with me? And, and it's so subtle because these methods are, are very well-meaning in their attempts and in their pursuits, but if it's, if it's undergirded by the wrong theology, in other words, it doesn't understand your security in the new covenant through the blood of Christ, it's going to then put you in the flesh, and I don't mean this flesh, where you're making something happen, because that's a, decept, that's, a, that's a word that is a, brings about the misunderstanding. A flesh-based pursuit to experience a spiritual blessing is not necessarily something that you do in your body, like the works of the flesh, like you give or you do a prophetic act, or if I spin around three times with this particular flag pointed in that direction, then it'll kill this demon, and then it's... And I, I am poking fun a little bit, but those of you that have been there, you know what I'm talking about. And you're like. And, and I, again, I'm not trying to say it's wrong. It's just one half step off from really experiencing what could, you know, change your life. Are you, are you with me so far? So, so when, you're, when you're walking through something like this, it's not that you don't deal with these kinds of things. You just say, okay, what did Jesus do about this? This thing that I understand that is not in my life, that should be in my life, because I believe Jesus paid for it, I believe God is good, I believe he wants me whole, healed, restored, I believe he wants to provide for me, I'm not seeing it in my life. If I'm not going to get into the flesh and try to work the spirit to bring it about, what do I do? And that's kind of what I wanted to reinforce today, is, is just kind of drilling down on that. Because last week, you know, I feel like we dismantled some things, and I did touch on what to do, but I kind of wanted to just really reinforce it more today. 
Um, and it, it's, it's really just so simple. It's so simple, the flesh doesn't like it. Because the flesh wants something to do. And again, you've got to think of the flesh as a mindset, right? Now, you would never say, I've got to be good enough to get to heaven. You'd never say that because you know that that's not how it happens. But you might say, I need to repent from this sin to get healed. Or you might say, if I don't forgive that person, then God's not yet going to heal me. And we addressed that last week of the new covenant changing what forgiveness looks like. It's a flesh-based effort. Flesh meaning a personal effort to do a work to reach a spiritual end, a spiritual state, a spiritual blessing, a promise, or whatever it is. You know? And if you don't believe that all his promises are yes and amen, that God has given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness, that he does wish above all things that you prosper, be in health, even as your soul prospers. And I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel. You know, to, to even draw a line there, the prosperity gospel is actually very flesh-based. I'm going to give to get, right? And, and the more that I give, the more that I get. Now, here's the thing. If you do that from a finished work perspective, knowing who you are in Christ, understanding you're sowing in a spiritual state out of generosity, there is seemingly this spiritual law of, of opening your heart to, to allow God to pour his blessing through you as you become dependent on him. But if you change that process in your mind to a flesh-based pursuit, then it's the backside of it looks like, God, I've done everything. I've done everything I know to do. I've given, I've prayed, I've been to church, I blessed this person, I gave that car away, I... I, what, what, now what? And then you end up like Bob, which Bob has a, an amazing testimony. He's very transparent with where he throws his Bible away. And he's like, I can do better than this. If this is the way it is, I can do better than this. And if you're honest with yourself, if you're in that place, that's how you feel. Like, I don't get it, God. I'm just going to put you over there and let, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to take care of this. That's the, that's the fruit of a flesh-based pursuit to experience a spiritual life with God. So let's dig a little bit deeper. I'm telling you, the solution is simple. If you're looking for a solution with the flesh mindset, what we're going to talk about today is not going to be fulfilling for you. <laughs> but if you're ready to be free, and it's such a paradox, you labor to enter into the rest. Mark was a Mark 11 20, believe that you have received and it shall be yours. God promised Abraham and Sarah. It was a foregone conclusion in God's heart that Abraham would bear a child or that Sarah would bear a child and they would be so blessed that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That was a foregone conclusion in God's mind. But they needed to cultivate it and nurture it in their own hearts to become persuaded, as persuaded as God was about it, so that it would then be birthed into the earth. Now, that's the part that we try to create methods for to do that manifestation and birthing process where Jesus teaches the word will produce after its own kind. We want to do the words part. In other words, we want to 
We want to be the growth that the seed is actually responsible to do in your life. And because we don't really know how that works, in other words, that which is spiritual affects this realm and becomes evident in this life, and we, want, we become scientists and we want to understand it, we want to help it along, we create these methods because we want to see it. And we know it's ours. Deep down, you know who God is and you know what he wants for you. And you know it's your right as a child of God to believe for these kinds of things. Not just for your own consumption, but, that, but so, that you, so that we as a body of Christ will be collectively be that nation of kings and priests on this earth that God described in relation to Abraham that would be so blessed by God that it would spill out as blessing onto the nations of the earth. They would recognize God, and they would say, we want to know your God's ways based on how he's blessed you and how you have then used that blessing to bless the earth. That's the promise. That's what, if you want to know what God's trying to do, that is what God is doing. He is building his body. He is building his nation. He is building his people in this earth to be those offspring of Abraham, the righteous ones in his body, to bless, to be a blessing, to draw people, to learn his ways. That's pretty much what he's doing, uh, all the way back to the initial beginning. Um, so let, let's just kind of play around with some of these passages here. Talk, and, and, and again, I want to look at, kind of make it clear that you can have a flesh-based mindset in the pursuit of spiritual things, promises, blessings, whatever. Um, you know, we read this passage last week. This is Galatians 3.3. 3. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? And again, flesh is a mindset. Flesh is an attempt. It's a pursuit. It's, a, it's, an, it's an attitude. It's a motive. Right? It's, it's an identity posture. Are you with me? You might have some other words, you know to help kind of unpack what that is, that what is flesh. It's a, it's, a, it's a pursuit. Okay, let's keep going. So I love this here. This is 1 Timothy 1, 3. Uh, this is Paul writing to Timothy. He says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain uh, people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. Advancing God's work is by faith. Faith rests. The work that faith does is to believe and be persuaded, not to bring about an end. Faith is a response to what God has already done in Christ. Faith is not what you do to get God to respond to you. Uh, actually, um, Lyle, where's Lyle? Over there, Lyle's preaching next week. It's going to be awesome. And uh, you've been—we've been talking. I don't know where you're going to land yet, but 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 that passage that talks about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. That, that's not a bad prayer, but if you do it from a flesh-based perspective, you're working hard to get God to send revival into the land. Are you not? So many intercessors are staying up all night long praying from a flesh-based perspective, trying to motivate God to get off his throne 
and come down here and do something. And he's not going to do something until we get the right president in office. <laughs> and if that president's in office, he for sure ain't coming because us heathens put the wrong guy in there. Wait, is he putting them in? Are we putting them in? What is it? Mike Crane for president. I, but see, th this is where this flesh mindset manifests, right? If you think about it, the flesh mindset manifests in so many different areas, right? What's the solution? Well, I know that in the end, the kingdom prevails. And along the way, to the increase of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And I know that citizens of his kingdom experience life like those in the desert, having been delivered from Israel. He provides everything they need to eat. Their clothes didn't even wear out. They had plenty. They had plenty. It was a matter of their attitude. Did they get their heart right to follow him into even better promises? That, that's, that's the process along the way. Deal with this. Cultivate the word in your heart. So that no matter what happens out here, you're like in this kingdom bubble. Does that mean nothing bad's ever going to happen to you? No, of course not. Of course it doesn't. You might die following God, sharing the gospel. But it's not the suffering you experience along the way that, that makes you more holy or qualifies you for more blessing. Now, in the end, at the judgment seat of Christ, there seems to be reward and honor for those that did lay their lives down. Uh, you know, so there, there is that element, but that's different than the salvation aspect or what you can experience in this life. <clears throat> this endless genealogies thing, though, is, is what kind of stuck out to me in light of some of the specific things that, that, drive, that drive these behaviors. I, I think what, Timothy, what Paul's talking about with Timothy, this endless gene, this, the myths and endless genealogies brings you to these uh, efforts. Are you with me? Like you're constantly trying to figure out, well, what is it? What's the one thing? And you never find the one thing. Always until you realize the one thing is already given to you. So, and it's by faith. Everything from God comes by grace through faith. You're already complete. So, now, so I want to give you some specifics. So what do you do, right? In, you, in your effort to uh, uh, look at your life and recognize maybe you're not experiencing the things that in the old way you're trying to figure out what the blocks are, you're trying to figure out what doors are open, who have you not forgiven? What spirit is active in this? And those things may actually be factors. It's not that those are wrong. It's just that as you... <laughs> I just saw this picture. And I don't know if you could say the Holy Spirit showed me this, but it's like, it's like if you're standing on the outside over there trying to get to the promise or the blessing, and you're trying to... You're like in a maze. Which door? Who do I need to repent? What do I do? And you're, and you're constantly looking to try to get somewhere. And I just saw the Lord pick you up, bring you, and drop you in the completed state with the enemy in your face, and then you resist him, and 
he runs away from you, and he closes all the doors on his way out. That's the picture that I saw. Resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. I, we'll, I actually had that in my notes, but I kind of wanted to end with that. Um, so this idea of completeness. Okay, so, so you are sitting there saying, all right, well, you know, I, I believe that this promise is for me. I believe that this promise is for this person. I'm called into ministry, and I legitimately want to help people experience the things that Jesus paid for them to experience. What do I do? Well, you know, the, the method or the step that you take, I think, should be spirit-led, honestly. You can, I, there may be some methods that we can develop that are fine, and I'm not, I'm not saying don't develop methods. I'm a method guy. I enjoy it. But there's some principles to stick to along the way, and to me, this is just one of the main ones. And there's so many. They're, they're really, when you start looking for your, for your identity in Scripture, dealing with completeness, understanding the atoning work of Christ... There's, there's volumes. I mean, you know, it's the whole of the New Testament. But this especially, Colossians 2, starting in verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. How did you receive Christ Jesus? By grace through faith. By grace through faith. Um, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. I'm telling you, we don't... We, we, we put unforgiveness on people, and, and I made this point last week. You know, it's interesting. You go a lot, and this is one of the pet doctrines of the flesh-based pursuit is, let me pray for you. Oh, it didn't work. Hmm, is, have you forgiven everybody in your life? Which, which all you're saying is, I think there's a sin in your life that's blocking you from experiencing what God wants for you. So, 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 huh? Or your belief. Or your belief, Yeah but specifically the forgiveness thing. For some reason, that's a big pet doctrine. Now, I realize Jesus said, you know, if you don't forgive your brother, God won't forgive you, but then that gets corrected in the new covenant. Not corrected, but affected by the resurrection in the new covenant in that you, he says, forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. So before the blood, before the resurrection, uh, you, God won't forgive you until you forgive. After the resurrection, because you're forgiven, forgive others. And there's whole methods based on that. One guy came after me one time here on that. He's got a whole course and book on it. Sweet guy, great guy, doing the Lord's work. But anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Thanksgiving. Colossians 2.8, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. Uh, and this, I see this connected to the endless genealogies thing. You're just constantly trying to figure out what is the thing? What is the thing that's keeping me? What is the thing? What the thing is you need to rest in who you are in Christ. You need to become confident and persuaded of the finished work of Christ. You need to know the atoning work of Jesus as your sin offering. All of these things, right? So there is work to do. But it's not work to achieve or receive or get it. It's work to be. This is, this is what I feel like, golly, I'm I know I'm jumping around because this is just one of those subjects that I, I, like, I like to have a conversation more about it than anything. But um, Oh, 
there, there's no method to get something that you already have. That's like real deep and profound, right? There's nothing you can do to get something that you already have. And, and that's, what's con- that's what's confusing about uh, experiencing spiritual blessings that you already have. He has given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. So, so then you're affirming this here. And I, I don't know, it's, it's hard because we're still flesh-minded. Well, okay, so what do I do? What do I do? Okay, I'm resting, resting, what do I do? But there's a stone. You know what I mean? I, I, I see it. I feel it myself inwardly because I want, I want to give you something helpful and useful. And, and, and there is a tendency, especially us that, you know, that take the microphone regularly to flip over and to, you, 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 to, to give you an act, to give you a, well, look, look let me keep going. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Anybody got an interpretation for that? <laughs> uh, beware lest anyone cheat you through a philosophy and vain deceit according to the tradition of men. We have so many traditions. According to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. We, we skip over that kind of stuff. Traditions that are not according to Christ. Uh, and then verse 9, for in him dwells... And th- this, this, is, this is just an anchor for me. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you, say me, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. You have the same authority. You have the same delivered state that Jesus does. So do those who you are attempting to minister to. Pick them up out of that rat maze, drop them in their completed work, and then do everything you can to convince them of who they are in Christ. A couple more passages here. These are kind of anchor points for me. Uh, Revelation 19.10, and I feel, so this is John talking about his experience in heaven. This angel comes up, and I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, this part right here, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If you go into a Greek interlinear, which is not correct grammar, but it, but it, it basically translates directly out of Greek or Hebrew into how it's said in the original language, and then we reword it so that it makes sense in English. Oftentimes we miss the translation. But what it's saying here is the, um, the, the spirit in which you prophesy, follow me here, the spirit in which you prophesy testifies of Jesus. Where else have you heard that? And I, I didn't break this down. Sorry, it might be hard to read here. But this is Jesus, John 16, 12. I still, so the spirit in which you prophesy, the spirit in which you attempt to help somebody experience deliverance, healing, whole, any aspect of salvation, because that's what you're trying to do. All these methods, we're trying to help people experience salvation uh, in, its, in its full meaning. Uh, so prophecy as one of those, the spirit in which you prophesy 
testifies of Jesus. So everything that you do as ministry toward others should testify of Jesus, what he's already done. And then, and then it said this way here, John 16, 12. I still have, this is Jesus speaking. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. You can expect the Holy Spirit to be and do this for you in every situation. Uh, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hear, hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. This is the part. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now, in your mind and in your heart as you face life. The Holy Spirit is taking of what is Christ's and declaring it to you because it is also yours already. So if you're hearing instruction or anything inwardly or outwardly that is putting you in a flesh-based act to go forward to do something to get a spiritual blessing or whatever, you're, you're not clearly hearing the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And now, I get it. There's this pool. Okay, well, if it's already mine, then why don't I have it? Well, believe that you have received, and it shall be yours. There's the manifestation process. How do we understand the manifestation process? Jesus addresses it in Mark 4. It's seed. The seed has been planted. The seed of your completeness in Christ is firmly in the ground. You're a born-again child of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom. His spirit is in you. You have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son. All his promises are yes and amen. God's given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. You're complete in him. And, and the list goes on. Are you with me? Um, all right, let me jump back in here. Whatever he hears, he'll speak, and he will tell you things. He will glorify me. There's a whole, I think maybe after Lyle teaches and I'm back up again, I'm going to go into this whole idea of what glory is. Glory, the definition of glory, the word doxa, the Greek word doxa is the word glory. And, and it does mean brightness and splendor and majesty and all of that stuff. And there's a mystical element to glory that's so deep that we'll probably spend eternity discovering the riches of his glory. Uh, but one of the main applicable definitions which is what I always want to look for. I want to look for the functional aspect of a word. Like, how, 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 okay, so what do I do with this thing? The functional definition of the word glory is the view and the opinion of God. So what the Holy Spirit's doing is he's telling you God's opinion of the matter. That's what it means to glorify God. He's going to tell you God's view, God's perspective. Well, this is, if you were to ask me, this is what I think, and it's always going to testify of what Jesus has done in his death, burial, and resurrection. So there's a lot to unpack there, I think, and then my next message will go that. But he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And that's what you do. If you want to minister to people and you're looking for meat to give to them that, that, that is actionable, because it's not that we don't want to put forth effort to believe, but you are... You're testifying to that person of who they are in Christ and what Jesus has already. So if you recognize in this person's life that they do have a, you want to call it a soul tie, call it a soul tie. You recognize 
that they've got an unhealthy connection to a mother or codependent mother or something like that, you know, or an unhealthy association with an ex-boyfriend uh, or girlfriend or whatever, whatever these things are, those are real. They actually happen. You can call it a soul tie if you want. It, really, it doesn't really matter. Uh, what do you do about that? And, and if God leads you to do a prophetic act of making a noise and chopping it off their back, then to do that. That's fine, too, because that's what baptism is. Baptism is a prophetic act. It's an outward declaration of an already existent spiritual reality that you were dead in Christ, now you're alive. I mean, you were dead in your sin, and now you're alive in Christ. I don't want to take away all you, you prophets and artistic people that, that enjoy the mystery. I'm, I'm not trying to take away all the fun. I'm really not. We need that because that kind of stuff can be very powerful and effective. Just make sure you're doing it from a finished work perspective. It, it, it's, it's a celebratory act rather than an act of qualification. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. A couple more here. These are, these, are past, these are just anchor points for me. I'm almost done. Ephesians 4.21. Uh, if in, and so, so, you know, the flesh is looking for something to do. Give it something to do. But it's, it's a rest. Uh, and, so, and so rest is not lack of activity. It's just a lack of striving. Rest just doesn't get in the flesh and try to make something happen. Rest acknowledges the already existent spiritual state, which is not that hard to conceive. I know I'm talking a lot. I'm throwing a lot in here. But, but acknowledging an already existent spiritual state, you can do that with heaven, can't you? I mean, have you, how many of you have loved ones that have passed on and, and you imagine them in heaven? And maybe even sometimes you get a glimpse of what that looks like over there. There is this cloud of witnesses. We don't understand all that, you know. I don't presume to know everything of how the Spirit works. Uh, so, 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 but you can imagine how great heaven is. It's, it's the same type of thing when you're imagining who you are in Spirit, and you hold that image until it becomes your reality in your heart. And then what you must trust is that that will manifest into your life. That's just how the seed works. And that's the stuff that you can't, you can't come up with a methodology for that because you, probably what you'll do is constrict it from happening. I mean, I know it's like good news and bad news at the same time, but I hope there's freedom in it. Um, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you, and so, so, so what we're talking about here is this idea, we're not trying to develop methods, we're going through this process of put off, put on, as described in scripture, um, that you put off concerning your formal, former conduct, so if you're ministering to somebody, or you're trying to experience spiritual fruit in your life, and you've got this issue that you keep dealing with, you don't, you don't have to, you know, golly, I've had so many people come to me, it's like, they don't say it this way, but they're pretty much saying, well, the devil made me do it. I'm cursed. I've got this thing on my life because my dad did it, my grandfather did it, my grandfather. And, you know, now with the understanding of epigenetics, that's a whole different conversation. But, 
but it's like you have the responsibility to hear the Spirit in you testifying of Jesus. You have the responsibility to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in you testifying of Jesus. And what he will do is he will tell you, no, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't care what you feel like right now. I get it. Life's hard. It manifests as anxiety and depression. But here's the reality. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Which one are you going to ruminate on? Which one's more real to you? I have been delivered from the power of darkness. I don't care if candlesticks are flying in your room. You hear chains and moaning (laughs) in the night. There are people that I know and I love, and they hear knocking on their walls at night. Huh? Well, well, I was going to say something else, but I don't want to. It's a little too private information, so I'm not just. I'm not going to. I'll just say that bedroom may have attracted darkness, so there is that element. But but it's not that it gives it right to. So your behavior still might be a beacon for demonic activity. But, it, but it, there's no license, there's no curse being enforced, it doesn't have a right, and there's no flesh act to deal with it, other than maybe stop, stop it. <laughs> walk uprightly. Now, you, not, you might not walk uprightly and resist the enemy, and that thing still play around in your life, and then you get confused and you go to a well-meaning deliverance minister who knows exactly what to do to give you the 27-step protocol. Yeah, figure out its name. Let's, let's play around a little bit. Oh, boy. Everybody good? You with me? So, now, again, the Baptists are in the room, and they're like, I knew it. I, these charismatics are crazy. What's he talking about? Um, 22, Ephesians 4.22, Put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. But see, here's the deal. The old man is dead. Quit digging him up. Verse 23, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. To me, if you want a method, use this. You're dealing with an issue. You're helping somebody else deal with an issue. Help them figure out whatever it takes to put on the new man, uh, which is truly righteous and holy now already. This is another anchor point that I always hold to when I'm helping people break free from trauma or you know, just stuck states. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You might end up in a situation where you have to cast the devil away from somebody's life. But if they don't learn how to resist the enemy themselves, you know, then that prophecy of Jesus, it says, you cast one out, seven more come back, and it's worse than the first state. That's a reality. That can happen. If that person doesn't know how to resist. How do you resist? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down arguments or 
vain imaginations. That I, can, I think this is the New King James, maybe. But casting down arguments, and, and you're arguing. We argue in our mind. We have these vain imaginations. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. How many of you have ever been in a deliverance session and you're trying to tie up the devil and make it obey Jesus? Honestly, you ever been in a situation like that? Nobody wants to admit to that. What? You can't fight a devil. You can resist them and he'll flee from you, flee from you because it's basically Jesus resisting them when you do, when you stand in your authority in Christ. But to shadow box or fight a demon? Are you kidding me? If you saw what that thing looked like in the spiritual realm, you better be glad you're in Christ. You got no chance. But, but they, they are beings under authority. So there is that element. But for you yourself and for people that you're trying to help and minister to, it's the thought that needs to be captive. And let me just tell you, is that not the hardest thing to bring captive? The thought? What do you do with the thought? You bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, you make that thought be... be follow me here. With me? You make the thought be in agreement with what Christ was obedient to. It's not that you make the thought obey, the foul thought of depression, and I'll make you obey Jesus right now. You know what I mean? It's not like you're, then you start fighting your thoughts. That's not what you do. You make sure your thoughts are in alignment with what Jesus was obedient to, the obedience of Jesus. And we, and we know in the garden, Jesus learned obedience through the death of the cross. So it all comes back to the cross. So bring your thoughts captive to be in alignment with what Christ accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. Bring your thoughts in alignment to who you are in light of what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. Bring your thoughts captive and, and wrestle those things. Bring your thoughts. Push away the thoughts that counteract. Well, I've, I've got this continual behavior. This is just who I am. I'm just, I'm cursed. Nope, I have been delivered from the power of darkness. I've, I've, I've got this particular sin issue. I'll just never get, nope, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. This is what a righteous person looks like in light of this behavior. I'm just always going to struggle with this lack in this, nope, God is your provider. You are complete, you know, whatever it is for you that you got to do inwardly to fight against those lying thoughts, those beliefs, those limiting behaviors, all that stuff. You got to push that stuff away and install a new belief system in, in terms of who you are in Christ. It is, you know, so like Freud, these psychologists, they have adopted the mindset and pretty much psychology, psychiatry, psychiatry, just wants to medicate, you know, there's, there's, not, real, there's not much hope in the, in the idea of transformation in psychology and psychiatry. There's coping mechanisms. There's, uh, you know, strive to overcome or, you know, there's all these methods that's so flesh-based. And I'm not saying it's bad information altogether. I'm not saying throw all that stuff out the window. It's just it's got to be reframed and represented in the light of the finished work, right? 
so, but like those early guys, and it's still adopted into those mindsets that this is who you are. It's nurture, it's the environment, it's just who you're, the world has shaped you to be. It's your cross to bear. And then we do that to ourselves. Well, you know, this is just who I am. This is, this is my sin habit. This is my emotional disorder. This is my truth. I don't feel like being a boy anymore. Now I'm a girl. This is my truth. There's 37 versions of my identity now. This is who I am. It's all identity stuff. And you got to put all of that stuff off and put on your identity in Christ. It's, it's really, it's, it's pretty simple. Again, I told you the solution is simple. Because I don't think we take the time to think through the real world aspects of what it looks like to engage spirit to live life. Yeah. Especially charismatic Christianity. It's great at church. We have a lot of fun at church and manifestations and da 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 and then out there in the rest of your life, it's like, I can't wait to get back to that meeting again. Ooh, when's the revival coming? I, you know what I mean? Because it's like we, we don't know how to do the work in a place like this and then go out there and actually live out a spiritual reality where it makes a difference in our lives. And it's something that you can sink your teeth into and actually build a life on. Does, am I, does that make sense? And, and, and to the, the immature uh, spiritual gifts chaser, that's boring. It's not fun. So I don't want to take away the fun. I really don't want to take away the fun. You know, there, there are people that come through here. And, and so let me say, can I say something? Pray for me that I say it. In, in a loving way, Let me, this is the last passage here, 1 Corinthians eleven seven. Well, really, this is not a statement about men and women in structure, but this is, this is where I'm going to go after this. A man ought not cover his head since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. It's quickly, like my daughter's back there, if my son were here, where is he? Is he not here? Colony Mountain Church. He might be. He might be somewhere. But anyway, like if I say, here's my daughter, I love her deeply, and she's amazing, just like my son, whom I love as much. There's a distinction in who different people. That's what this is actually saying. This is saying man is the glory of God, and woman is just as glorious as man. It's really what it's saying. But the glory thing is where we're going to go. Um, and it's not a devalue. It's not a know your place, women. Anyway. Uh, let, me, let, me, so let me just say this. This is a, maybe a philosophy. of This is kind of my own idea, just kind of a, a personal, maybe observational perspective that I have. And, and honestly, this is one of the reasons why I want you to be you in this body. And, and you know, I, I, I say it in various ways, but let's make a deal. I'll let you be you if you let me be me. Deal. <laughs> now, that means you got to be you. And you're not trying to be somebody else. You're going to be you. That means you're going to step up into what God is calling you into. You're going to function in the gifts. And my role is to 
I might pull you along a little bit or poke you or whatever, you know, because I want this body to be fruitful. I want this body to be a body of people where it's a fulfilling experience, your, your role, right? I don't, again, if you read our core values, one of our values is get your own vision. I am not asking you to come here and catch my vision. I have a vision for what I think collectively this church, it, it, where it's going, but I want you to get your own vision. I want you to do the work with God inwardly, and you birth a vision, and then it very much harmoniously works together. It's the body being the body, your role and your part. And as you do, as you take responsibility for that freedom, I'm convinced oftentimes in this body, because we have a very specific teaching and focus on what we're trying to do to help people experience transformation, that sometimes the people that are being called to operate in certain gifts, it's like, I don't know, I'd have to, you know, we talk, and I've talked to a little, some people about it, but then I'll have conversations with somebody, and they're like, oh, well, I didn't know you really wanted that. I'm like, all right, I, I, I understand. I don't know how to address it other than to just directly address it. So I'm going to directly address it. Follow God. Step into the gifting that you feel like God has called you to do. If you don't know what that looks like in this body, then let's have a conversation about that. And really, a lot of that is equip, which we do on first Wednesday monthly. And we talk about structure, flowing in the gifts, prayer team, all that stuff. And then the coaching thing that we're going to do third, third, third Wednesday monthly, you know, help you discover some things and step out forward in those. But something that I've noticed, and maybe in your mind, I'm asking you to maturely be honest with yourself and then help this body be as full as it can be by taking the responsibility to be you. So, and 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 because I've noticed sometimes people come through, and and maybe they're wanting a little bit more sensationalism, and it's, and it's not that I don't want that kind of stuff. I I don't want us to get weird, you know. I'm not looking for nuttiness, but but if you have an expression of faith that's more exuberant than what maybe regularly displayed here, go for it. Be yourself, you know? If you hurt somebody or, well, let me just say, be yourself. And, and I've seen people come through and, and it's like, get bored. Get bored because of the steady, consistent diet and path and process. If you're bored, I, let's talk. I don't, I don't want it to be a boring process for you. I'm just, I, I'm just talking from my heart for a minute. Are you with me? Does this make sense? I, 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 want, I want it to be a healthy place of, ex, of expression for you. And I'm not asking you to tell me what this church is supposed to be because I know what it is and I know where we're going. I just want you to be you along the way. And then, and then we're much more fruitful because I, I, we've actually had people leave and say, can't complain, love it, great, but, you know, we kind of like the weird a little bit. So they went to another church that they would consider has more platform for the weird. And it's like, okay, that's fine. Go be weird. I don't know. You could be weird here. Let's just make sure we're weird from a finished work perspective, you know? <laughs> anyway, I was just making that, I just wanted to make the point because it's like, man, you know, I don't, I don't want you to sit here and, and, and not see the opportunity for you to be you. I realize we're changing a lot of things of how people think and, and believe and 
see the Lord, you know, but it's, it's actually very freeing. You know, the, 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 the last point on that is oftentimes when you come into an environment of freedom and there's no path given to you, there's no program that you got to join to do something, to be a part of that church, the freedom is often misinterpreted as a lack of activity. In other words, the fact that we're not telling you what to do and making you come to all these different things, you don't, it's like, oh, well, because so many churches give these programs and these processes and these paths and these places, these things. My wife's back there. She's like, hurry up. Uh, it's a play day back there with the kids. Um, Corey's like, I know. Welcome to my world. Uh, 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 what was I saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just I don't want to be the program-driven church. I don't want you to, to have so much busy work, Christian busy work, that that replaces you getting intimate with the Lord and discovering your call and then moving forward in it. Yeah. Now, that does mean that you might sit there a little bit longer than you're comfortable with because you kind of want something to do, and I get that. We want to be we're created unto good works. We want to. Uh so, you know, just take the responsibility to rest in your freedom, enjoy it, but also, okay, Lord, yeah, all right, Lord, let's, let's, let's get busy loving people here, you know, whatever that might look like. And if it's something that we don't currently have, then let's have a conversation. We'll walk that through, too. Whew, I think I'm done. Is that too much? I mean, I, you know, again, I felt like we swung a wrecking ball through some things last week, and I wanted to put some things back together. And, and, and root you in that finished work for yourself and for others because, you know, I know a lot of you are called to minister to others and you want to, and, and you should. But let's do it with that slight adjustment. Amen? Amen? All right, let's stand up. Prayer team, come on up here. Uh, if you need prayer for anything at all today, slide up. These guys and girls would, be, would love to minister with you and just help you stand in your identity. If you're in this room today and you're not completely sure of your salvation, you're not sure that you, know, that you have that relationship with the Lord, I would also ask you to come down and speak with these guys. We have a packet back here that will give you some things. They'll walk you through, help you make sure that you know you can be sure. And also, too, you know, we believe in the gifts. We believe in praying in the Spirit. Some of, you know, we, I think we attract people that are coming out of denominationalism and want to experience a little bit more of the working of the Holy Spirit. Not really quite sure what that looks like. Um, if you're born again, you have the Spirit in you. You have all the gifts in you, but you may not be operating in all the gifts. And if you don't pray in tongues, you don't pray in the Spirit, but you'd like to, you'd like to explore that. These, they'll help you walk through all that stuff too. We may do that collectively sometimes. We're not always going to do it the same way, but you know, I want to make sure that we make room for that type of thing but so prayer for any of that type of thing slide down here let's pray father we thank you we trust you we love you we thank you for your word as a guidance we thank you for your spirit that is speaking to us and revealing truth to us testifying of jesus we only want in our mind those thoughts that are in agreement with who jesus is and who we are in him for ourselves and as a as a ministry toward others so we give you our minds and our hearts, and we ask you, speak to us. Give us that revelation as we know that you do, and we thank you for that. We trust you, and we love you. Father, we give generously, not out of compulsion, but out of value for this message increasing. This message is mainstream. 
I, I believe that the church is in decline because the gospel is not being preached. And as the gospel gets preached, churches will grow again. I believe it. I believe the gospel is the power, so we are committed to preaching the gospel. Father, I thank you for the opportunity for all of us collectively to be generous, to, to move the gospel forward, to declare the gospel in our community. We thank you for the opportunity to be a blessing, to be generous.